an honor to be here. As Pastor Arnold said, I've known he and Barbara, Kathy and I have for over 30 years, and we love this couple. They've had a heart for God. They've had a heart to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, and they're always encouraging. I've never talked to them that I didn't feel better after talking to them than I did before I talked to them, and that is a blessing from God. That was a moving tribute you read about Memorial Day. Christ said in John fifteen thirteen, Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And we were singing a song about the mighty gulf that God did span. Jesus came all the way from heaven to earth to purchase our redemption. Man walked away from God. But God chose to redeem man. First Peter 1.20, he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. It was in the heart of God that if man did sin, God would provide redemption. And he did. In the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And I believe the Lord is raising up a mighty army in these last days. Isaiah 59.19 says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against him. It seems like evil is taking over, but it's not. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. These are exciting days, trying days, difficult days, but days of opportunity. People are searching for answers. They want to know what is real and what can you depend on. Let me tell you, you could depend on Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 13, 5, he said, I'll never leave you, and I'll never forsake you. David said in Psalm 27, 10, if my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. He's a present help, Psalm 46, 1, in time of trouble. I've known him for 48 years. He's everything the Bible says he is. And I'll say this, I didn't know what a buzz was until I got turned on to Christ. Because there's no high like the most high. When I got saved, I didn't stop drinking. I just changed my fountain. Amen. Jeremiah 23, 9, I'm like a drunken man and like a man who whineth overcome because of the Lord and the words of his holiness. I didn't stop dancing. I just changed my partner. Psalm 149, 3 says, let them praise his name of the dance. I love the excitement that the praise team Brought us into. They weren't just singing words to a congregation. They were singing unto the Lord. And that's who we need to sing to and praise. Psalm 33, 3. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. Ephesians 5, 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When we come to church, we're celebrating a resurrection. The hundredth psalm doesn't say, make a mournful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with sadness. Come before his presence with moans and groans. He said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. 
Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him, and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth unto all generations. And that includes our generation. God is worthy of praise. There are two times to praise God when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. We need to praise God the most when we feel like praising God the least. Paul and Silas were thrown in prison. But Acts 16.25 says they sang praises unto God at the midnight hour. He's worthy of praise. Man, I just don't feel like praising God. Begin to praise God and you'll begin to feel like praising God. How many knows that God rejoices in heaven? Some people think God's up in heaven. With a somber expression, watching things go on. Psalm 1611 says, In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 2.4 says, He that sits in the heavens laughs. I quoted that many years ago, and this older minister cornered me after church said, Preacher, I said, What is it? He said, There's a verse you quoted, and I looked it up, and it's in the Bible. I said, Which one are you talking about? The one that says God's laughing in heaven. I said, Psalm 2.4. He said, yes. I said, what's your problem? He said, what do you think God's laughing about? <laughs> now, there's a little den of some in all of us. And I looked at him. I said, why, brother, God watches you and I all day long. <laughs> Come on, saints of God. Sometimes we're like the three stooges. They walked in this office one afternoon. The man stood behind the desk and said, gentlemen, and then went where? Where? We're called to be saints of the Most High God. Second Corinthians 5.20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. First Peter 2.9, we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that we should show forth the moans and groans. No, the praises of him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God deserves our praise. Actually, we were created to worship God. That's our creative purpose. Revelation 4:11. Thou, Lord, art worthy to receive glory, honor, and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are, and they were created. You and I were created for God's enjoyment. Deuteronomy 32, 9, the Lord's portion is His people. And we're going to brag on anybody. We're going to brag on Jesus. David said in Psalm 44, 8, we make our boast in God all the day long and praise his name forever. First Corinthians 131, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. I tell you, if you begin to praise God, the enemy will quake in his boots. Graham and Glenda Martin, do you know that couple over in McGuffin County, Kentucky? They took me on a Western Caribbean cruise back in January of 2010. I'm always going to Florida to preach in January. And so they took me on a cruise, and on Jamaica, this Jamaican tried to sell me some wacky weed. That's what I called it. He said, Mon, do you want to get high, Mon? I said, Mon, I've been high all day. What you high on, Mon? I said, it's Jesus, Mon. He said, well, I know Jesus, Mon. I said, you know Jesus, and you smoked a wacky weed and peddled a dope? You don't know Jesus, Mon. You're seven diabolos the devil. He said, keep it down, Mon. And then he used my terminology. He said, keep it down. I won't smoke the whack weed. I won't peddle the dope. I thought of Psalm 68, 1. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. Let them also that hate him flee from before him. Psalm 149, 6. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. When you mention the name of Jesus and magnify the Lord, the enemy has to scatter. Yes. That's why I praise God even if I don't feel like I'm sure driving my car down the road. Uh, people are looking and wondering what's going on with that guy, but I'm having a good time with Jesus. Yeah. 
Amen. Yeah, you shouldn't be so happy. Psalm 144:15. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Nehemiah 8.10, don't be sorry. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You show me a weak Christian. I'll show you a person the devil's about to pounce on and take advantage of. Show me a joyous child of God. I'll show you a Christian the devil can't do anything with. If you would turn to Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to look at verse number 11. What an honor it is to be here. Hope through Grace Fellowship, Kansas City, Missouri. It's great to be here. I love to be with God's people. I love to worship God with God's people. Now, I'm not a singer. What I do is I wait till everybody gets loud enough, and then I chime in. Nobody knows that I'm singing. Well, Paul said in Ephesians 4, 1, Abide in the calling wherewith you're called. And we've got a football player here, and I'll use this illustration. Back in 1973, now, my favorite team is the Dallas Cowboys. But back in 19... Yes, I'm from West Virginia. Everybody in West Virginia at that time liked the Cleveland Browns. With Frank Ryan and Jim Brown, who just... The great running back just passed away uh, a few days ago. And Gary Collins and uh, Paul Warfield and Lou Groves and all those. Oh, yeah, because you probably were a Cleveland Brown fan. But I saw this team with stars on their helmet going up and down the offensive set. And I said, I'm going to like that team. Everybody started laughing at me. They didn't have a winning season. They didn't even break even until 1964. Back then they played 14 games. They went 7-7. Seven and seven. But after 1965, they stopped laughing. Hallelujah. But in the 1973 Super Bowl, the Miami Dolphins completed the only undefeated season in NFL history. They beat Washington, I think it was 14-7. to The only score that Washington made came off a botched field goal to Kent Temp by a left-footed soccer-style kicker from Cypress named Gary Premium. There was a bad snap. He should have fallen on the ball. But he wanted to be like Bob Greasy, the quarterback. He wanted to throw the football, and he was a kicker. He should have stayed in his calling. Let me tell you, you can look at it on the old NFL Films Classics, and here's the way it looked. Professional football player throwing a football like this. <laughs> Gary Premium kicked important field goals when time was running out to win many games. But when people meet him, guess what they want to talk about? His pass attempt in the 1973 Super Bowl. So we need to abide in the calling where we're called. In Acts 1.11, the angel said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up for you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you seem to go into heaven. Notice the angel said, why are you gazing up to heaven? Jesus will come back just like he said he would. And there are signs all around us letting us know the coming of the Lord is near. Hebrews 9.28 says, For them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. We ought to be looking for the coming of the Lord. How many people here are looking for the coming of the Lord? Well, if you have been, continue to. If you haven't been, you should be. Titus 2.13, look of that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, nobody knows exactly when he's coming back. Christ said in Mark 13.32, but of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. But Christ said in Luke 21.28, when you begin to see all these things come to pass, lift up your head because your redemption draws near. Another thing, Jesus isn't coming back for a defeated church. He's coming back for a victorious church. Ephesians 5.26, that he, Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse the church by the washing of water through the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Christ said in Matthew 16.18, upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. 
Jesus is the rock of our salvation, by the way. David said in Psalm 61, 2, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Isaiah 28, 16 calls him the chief cornerstone. First Corinthians 10, 4, Paul said, they all drank from that rock, and the rock they drank from was Christ. The church is built upon the rock. Ephesians 2.20 were built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, groweth into an holy temple of the Lord, in whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Many years ago, this insurance salesman came to our house, and he presented a particular policy. Now, let me say this. It was a good policy. But after his presentation, I said, I have a policy better than yours. He said, if you do, I'd like to see it. So I went into my study. And I brought out the eternal life insurance company policy. It's a witness attract made just like an insurance policy. And I explained to him the premiums are paid up by the blood of Christ. Interest accrues every day of the year. And then I said, the feature I like best is the fire protection. It affords those covered by this policy. <laughs> he shook his head, looked down, he said, well, I must admit your policy has mine beat by a long shot. I said, do you have it in force? And he said, well, I'm ashamed to say I don't. Then I encouraged him to get a piece of the rock, not prudential, but Jesus Christ. He is the rock of our salvation. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to rise up strong in these last days. Because when it seems like everything is coming apart at the seams, God has always had a remnant, and that remnant has been used of God to bring evangelism to the world. Revivers for the church, by the way. Revivals for you and me. The word revival has a prefix re, to go back or do again, and the root word vive, which means to live. How many knows you can't be revived if you've never been vived? If we're getting a little cold and a little indifferent, we need revival. Psalm 104.4 says he'll make his ministers a flame of fire. I've yet to see people stand around and watch ice cubes melt, let a house catch on fire, everybody run down the road to watch it burn. Hebrews 12, 29, our God is a consuming fire. Jeremiah said to Jeremiah 29, I've got a fire shut up in my bones. Now, he wasn't talking about burritos or enchiladas. But he was talking about the Bible. Jeremiah 15, 16, thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah 23, 29, is not my word like as of a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? So the word of God will set you on fire. The Holy Ghost will set you on fire. We need to be on fire for Jesus. We need to be enthusiastic for the Lord. Amen. And then people are going to want to know what makes you and I so happy. And then we'll be able to tell them, Jesus makes me happy. Jesus solves all my problems. Cast all your care upon him, 1 Peter 5, 7, because he cares for you. But we do need revival. That means we need to keep short accounts with God. If we miss the mark, and that's what sin is, I'm glad that you and I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 2, 1. And there's one meet there between God and man. Billy Graham's favorite scripture. I didn't say Billy Graham's. Was his favorite scripture. It is his favorite scripture. Billy Graham's not here, but he's in heaven. Billy Graham said many years ago, you were here one day that I died. And he said, don't you believe that? I'll be more alive than I've ever been before. Do you know that when we leave this body, we're going right into the presence of God? We're not ceasing to exist. Death isn't annihilation, extermination, or cessation of being. Death is simply separation. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. When a person dies, their spirit leaves their body. 
The house they lived in for however many years they lived in that house on the earth is left behind, but that person goes to the presence of God. Second Corinthians 5, 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Paul said in Philippians 1, 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I want not, for I am a straight betwixt two. Have the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. The way we had said in West Virginia, if I stay, it's better for you. If I go, it's better for me. And let me say something about West Virginia. We're the only illegal state in the union. We're the 35th state. Granted, stated status June 20th, 1863. Never went through the constitutional process of ratification. During the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln granted a statehood status. Come on. Now, let me tell you something else about West Virginia. I was a school teacher up until 1986. I left teaching in October of 1986 to go full-time as an evangelist. And when I was teaching at Chapville High School in 1977, there was a linguistics expert that came in from Connecticut. She met with the sophomores, the juniors, and the seniors. I taught 10th graders that year. I went to the gymnasium to hear what she told the students. I could have had a free period, but I was interested in what she had to say. And she told those students the accent and dialect spoken in Appalachia is closer to the original English language than any other accent or dialect across the country. Then I found confirmation of it in the Bible. In the 1611, King James, Elizabethan English. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. We say ye all in West Virginia. Paul said in Romans 6, 11, reckon yourselves to be dead unto sin. We still say reckon in West Virginia. So I've told hillbillies, if anybody ever makes fun of how you talk, tell them you deviated from the norm, you come back to the straight and narrow. Actually, there is a prophetic scripture in Zephaniah 3, 9. In that day who returned to them a pure language, they're going to worship God with one Consent. Wouldn't it be ironic if it was with a little hillbilly twang? Come on, saints of God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the truth. Jesus will come back just like he said he would come back. In John 14, 1, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. We need to believe in God. People just take it for granted. Well, you know, in America, I believe in God. No, there's a lot of people don't believe in God. And the number one reason why young people are turning from God in faith, according to the Pew Research poll, is they're taught evolution when they go to college. The sad fact of it is all the true, legitimate, bona fide science substantiates faith in God and the Bible and refutes the silly theory of evolution. Man did not evolve. We were created. Genesis 2, 7, God formed man of the dust of the ground. There are 14 elements in the soil. Those same 14 elements constitute the human body. Science describes the universe in five terms, uh, time, energy, space, matter, and motion. You find that in the first three verses of the Bible. In the beginning time, God created energy. The heavens, space, the earth, matter. The earth was without form of void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved. There's your motion. In Job 26, 7, the Bible's a supernatural book, by the way. Only God could have had the Bible written. In Job 26, 7, God told Job he stretched the north over the empty space over the north and hung the earth on nothing. Until the middle of the 17th century, people didn't know that that was true. The earth literally is hanging on nothing. Now, there were Eastern religions that taught the earth was on the back of a camel walking around. And sad to say, my ancestors, the Greeks, they taught Atlas was holding the earth up. And he tricked Hercules into taking the earth. Hercules tricked Atlas into taking the earth back. But here's what we now know. If you go 96 miles above the earth's surface, above the exosphere and the ozone layer, you go into the vacuum of space. And the earth is hanging on nothing. Seven times in the Bible, 
It says God stretching out the heavens. That's why they no longer believe in the steady state theory. Everything's always been in existence. We now know that's not the case. Because the universe is radiating out from a central location where they say, uh, get this, and they say it takes faith to believe what you and I believe. A subatomic atom under intense heat and energy exploded, cosmic inflation kicked in, everything came into existence. Now, I tell people, if you can believe that, I've got property in southern West Virginia I'd like to sell you, and I promise you it's not in hill country. Now, you can't go through southern West Virginia without seeing hills to believe something like that. And evolution is farcical. Stop and think of this for a moment. If man evolved, how come today we have all men and all apes? Why don't we have three-fourths of an ape, one-fourth of a man, three-fourths of a man, one-fourth of an ape? Well, you know what they're conveniently trying to say? Well, it, it, it sort, of, sort of stopped from now, took a pause. Oh, isn't that interesting? And guess what? These prominent evolutionists are baffled because when you go back in time, they say 550 million years ago, but one debate I had with a professor back in 2014, and he wanted to know why we didn't believe in the carbon-14 dating until I pointed out to him, carbon-14 dating can only date things of a recent age, and carbon-14 dating dated snails as being 27,000 years old that were still alive. But if you go back to the very first census where we find fossils, you find complex life forms. With backbones, lungs, heart, circulatory system, and nothing before that. Richard Dawkins, a prominent evolutionist at Oxford College in England, said, We find them in the fossil record like they were planted there. They weren't planted there. They were created and they died. And let me say another thing. What good is a mouth without an esophagus, without a stomach, and without a colon? Why would a mouth form on an organism if it was living without a mouth? And if the mouth did form, where would the food go if you didn't have an esophagus, a stomach, and a colon? See, evolution says things happen gradually over a long period of time. Now, a bird can't fly on 2% of a wing. In the so-called transitional phases, it's an impediment to the survival of any evolving species. That's why we didn't evolve. Because 2% of a wing would slow the bird down and make it easy prey for predators. This is important because we need to teach young people that the Bible is accurate in every matter it talks about. True science substantiates the Bible. Seven times in in the Bible it says God stretching out the heavens. That's what they now know. The heavens are being stretched out. But it was in the Bible 3,500 years ago. Hallelujah. Psalm 104.2, he stretches out the heavens. Isaiah 40 and 22, God sets upon the circle of the earth. The Bible never taught the earth was flat. That word circle, he wuchuang, means it's a sphere. Do you know where the flat earth concept came out of? They tried to tag that to the church. It came out of secular philosophy. From St. Augustine to St. Thomas Aquinas, the church taught accurately that the earth was round. It's only when the church... Abandoned biblical revelation, embraced secular philosophy, that it wound up with egg over its face. Realize this. The Bible is true in every statement. And you can go and find events in the Bible. The archaeological spade and earth's artifacts confirming the veracity and the truthfulness of the word of the living God. This is the Bible. And if you ever talk to an atheist, you can bring this up. Now, I've been cussed out by the best of them. Look, you're going to get cussed out. Oh, I got my feelings hurt. I won't talk about Jesus anymore. What? And you call that persecution? Not, some people are not going to like what you have to say. But you know what? Pray for them and love them. Go on to the next person. Don't be in your face and confrontational and overbearing. Be bold, but be like Christ. We need to present ourselves that way. But if you're talking to an atheist, see, now they're caught 
in a trap they can't get out of. Because now they believe in the Big Bang. That was an event. And there's a scientific law called the law of causation. Every cause has an effect, no effect without a cause. And, and every cause has an equal and opposite effect. Then you ask them, where did the Big Bang come from? You know what they try to say? Well, this caused this and this caused this. And they still are in a dilemma because there's no starting point. And then, when they have to admit something is self-existent, something is a prime mover that's always been here, has to be or nothing now could exist, and they know that. Well, in Exodus 3.14, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, I am that I am. Deuteronomy 32.40, God said, I lift up my hand to heaven and say, I live forever. Psalm 92, from everlasting to everlasting, he is God. John 1.3, all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. They have to admit something has always been there. And here's point number two, where you probably get cussed out. Then you explain to them that whatever this self-existent thing is, that's what they would call it, it has to have intelligence. Well, why? The universe has symmetry, design, order to it. That doesn't come out of randomness and chaos. That comes out of intelligence. And they don't want to say it, but the word is God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus will come back just like he said. Now, the Bible has prophecy in it. Meteorologists can't hardly get the weather right 72 hours from now. Yeah, they're sure of what the weather's going to be like a hundred years from now. Well, how, point this out. There's enough people here old enough to remember this. There are young people who don't remember this. In the 1970s, the climatologists and meteorologists are telling us we're going into an ice age. How many remember that? On the front page of Newsweek and Time magazine, the coming ice age. Now, how do we go from that to the late 80s, early 90s? Now we're burning the planet up. Hallelujah. Listen, Genesis 8.22 says, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Even the Bible predicts that scoffers will come in the last days. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. But they were ignorant that the word of God held the earth up in the water and out of the water. Jesus said he would come back. John 14, well, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. Now, had Jesus promised me a log cabin, I'd be fine with that. Wherever Jesus is, that's where heaven's at, and that's where I want to go. And I'll be happy with the log cabin. But he didn't say a log cabin. He said a mansion. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus will come back just like he said he would. He gave us signs of his return. Israel's back in her homeland. Isaiah 11, 11, God said, I'll set my hand the second time to recover the outcasts of Israel and the dispersed of Judah. Amos 9, 15 says, I'll plant them in their homeland. They'll not be plucked up again. They were scattered by the first time in 586 B.C. when Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian monarch, took them into captivity. For 70 years, just like the Bible predicted in Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 11 and Jeremiah 29 and verse 10. You'll serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Do you know that's exactly how long they were in Babylon? And then they they came back? You think of this. You think of the predictions of the Bible. What about this mechanization? And we see the industrial age, and now we're moving so fast. I used to say this, Pastor Arnold, I was accurate. You probably said it too. Uh, 
30 years ago, I'd tell people 90% of what man knows, he's gained that information in the last 50 years. Oh, no. 90% of what we now know, we've gained that information in the last 18 months. Well, 2 Timothy 3, 1, this know also in the last days, perilous times, in the Greek that means dangerous times shall come, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-makers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Verse 7 says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. One of the signs of the coming of the Lord is increased knowledge and travel. Daniel 12, 4. God told Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book, till the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Now, up until 200 years ago, by covered wagon, it would take you anywhere from six months to nine months, maybe a year, to have made a journey from the East Coast to the West Coast. Now today, if you're in Boston, Massachusetts, you can eat a breakfast, board a jet, Fly out to LAX in California, and when you eat a meal, it'll be in the AM hour. How many knows that uh, travel has increased? Amen. Knowledge has increased. But you see, knowledge without morality ends up in tyranny and dictatorship. Some of the evilest people ever walking the face of the earth were smart people, and they used it for nefarious purposes. But I'll tell you what, God has given you and I the spirit of discernment. And God's going to give us wisdom and understanding to deal with situations. And we're going to have a word, Isaiah 54, to speak to people in season. But these are signs of the coming of the Lord. Israel is back in her home now. Now, they, they were scattered abroad for 70 years. They came back home. They were scattered abroad the second time when a Roman general named Titus plundered and pillaged Jerusalem and scattered them abroad upon the face of the earth again in 70 A.D. And they were without a homeland for almost 2,000 years till May 14 in 1948 when they went back home. Jesus said in Luke 21, 24, Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Sister Barb, Jerusalem was under non-Jewish occupation for almost 2,500 years until the June 1967 six-day war when they recaptured Jerusalem. Signs are all around us. Christ said Luke uh, 1728, it was in the days of Lot. Well, so will it be in the days of coming to some Look, I've got to make a confession here this morning. And uh, hear me out before you jump to conclusions. But early in my life, I was trapped in a woman's body. For nine months till my mother gave birth. <clears throat> and every man here today, at one time, you were in a woman's body. Biologically, there are only two sexes. XX female chromosome only, XY male chromosome only. No, but I feel like, you know what? I can feel like a lot of things doesn't make it so. I thought I was Superman. Look, I was a big Superman fan. And I broke my arm when I was uh, seven years old, trying to impress my little girlfriend that I was Superman. I jumped off the neighbor's porch, hit my head on an awning, and broke my arm. My arm's hanging. Oh, look, I could recite it. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful locomotive. They believe tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's Superman. Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal man. Superman who could change the course of mighty rivers, being still in his bare hands. And who? This guy's is Clark Kent, mild man reporter for a great metropolitan paper, fights a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. My arm's hanging down. Mom takes me down to the Guyan Valley Hospital. They call my father and my two older sisters, and my two older sisters got to the hospital. Mikey, is Mikey okay? Oh, your brother's okay, but when we gave him the shot, your mother passed out. You know, look, 
that was back in 1959. And here, I remember, and it was that long, brother. And, and I looked over, here's my mom's way. You know, I wanted to be Superman, but I wasn't Superman. You and I can be better than Superman. We'd be like Jesus. We're not going to be Jesus. That's a new age lie. We're not God. We're never going to be God. But we're to be like Christ. Ephesians 5, 1, be therefore followers of God as dear children. The word follow in the Greek, means to imitate. First John 2, 6, he that saith he abideth in him, Jesus, ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. We need to aspire to be like Jesus. Let our light shine before men, Matthew 5, 16. And that light is Christ. In John 8, 12, he said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We are God's people in our generation. Signs of the coming of the Lord are all around them. We're going to get into more of this in detail tonight. But talking about revival, first of all, we need to keep short accounts. If we miss a mark, don't let disobedience stay in your spirit. Confess it. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins and live good for three weeks, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness. That's the way some people are. They think, well, if I confess, if you mean it, when you confess, he forgives. You need to live good for three weeks, good, live good the rest of your life. See, in Matthew 1, 21, they should call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin, not in their sin. See, there's a little thing circling. You've got to sin a little bit every day. Let me tell you who concocted that idea. His name starts with a D, ends with an L, and there are three letters in between. It's the devil. We don't have to sin a little bit every day. If we do sin, we have 1 John 1, 9 to go to. Well, why would you say that, preacher? Romans 6, 14, sin shall not have dominion under you. Over you, you're under not law, but you're under grace. Romans 8, 2, the spirit of life, Christ Jesus, makes us free from the law of sin and death. We can walk in victory in Jesus' name. We can be victorious in our generation. We're to be examples of others to see Christ in us. Colossians 1, 27, the hope of glory. He said, you men of Galilee, the angels did. Why stand you gazing? Some people are, so the Lord's coming and you just keep looking up. Look, knowing the Lord's coming, we ought to be going out and bringing the harvest in. Now, why, why would you say that? In Luke 21, 28, he said, when you begin to see these things come to pass, lift up your head because your redemption draws near. Now, juxtapose that with John 4, 35. Say not ye there, yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I said, you lift up your eyes. Look on the fields are white to harvest. Jesus said, when you know my return is near, bring the harvest in. Matthew 9, 37. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest because the harvest is here. And you and I are the sowers and reapers. Psalm 126, 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth, not he that stayeth home. Bearing precious seed. Shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bring these seeds with it. Now, if you don't go, God can't grow what you don't sow. So go and sow, and sow and sow, and sow and sow, and sow and sow. And I'm a so-and-so preacher, sow seed over here, and sow seed over there. This has been about 23, 24 years ago. Do you all know Tommy Figard? He's a rainbow grad. Pastor's Grace Family Church in Roanoke, Virginia. And I preached for him years ago. And I'm staying at a holiday end up on the fourth floor. I took my luggage off the luggage cart, and I'm rolling the luggage cart down the hallway. And three young men, they look like football players. I found out later on they had driven up from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, to attend a friend's wedding. One guy, hey, Kai, come on in and have a beer with us. I didn't have the preacher look. I had blue jeans on and, and a nice T-shirt. And I said, no, thanks. For oh, come on in. Hey, I'm not passing this up. I'm not passing this up. Oh, yeah. So I walk in, and that guy hands me a cold Michelob. I said, no, that won't get me to where I need to go. The other guy said, what is it? I said, new wine. Oh, new wine. 
Oh, okay. And the other guy said, well, where do you get that from? I said, the portals of glory. I thought they'd have a clue, but they didn't. And the other guy said, look, if they got any of those stores here, I'll go get us some. I said, no, they don't have any stores around here. And the guy that invited me in said, well, where's that at? I said, it's in heaven, and Jesus serves up the new wine. And the other guy said, blank, man, we've got a preacher in here. You know what I did? I told him about Jesus. I told him what Christ had done for me. I was a drug addict, becoming an alcoholic when I got saved, March 23rd, 1975. I didn't talk down to those guys. I talked to them, told them what the Lord had done for me. Well, Mark 5, 19, Jesus told that gathering demoniac, go back to your friends and show them and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and has had compassion on you. We ought to be telling people, Psalm 107, 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Revelation 12, 13, and we overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. If you don't testify, you don't have a testimony. You only have a money. To have a testimony, you have to testify, not testify. Don't add to it. Don't build it up. Just tell people what God's done for you. I took a luggage cart down the hallway and rode the elevator down to the first floor, came back up, walking down the hallway, two young ladies and a young man walking there. And I leaned up against the wall. When they walked in the room, one of the guys said, do you know what we just did? I said, what? We asked a man to come and have a beer with us. I said, what's wrong with that? They said, did you know what he was? They said, no, man, what was he? And the other guy said, a blanking preacher. And he started preaching to us. And then one of those three guys said, he said this. I heard, I've been talking about it for 23, 24 years. He said, fellas, that has to be true what that man said. I, there's got to be more to life than this. I know what that man said is right. You could hurt a pin drop for 30 seconds. They shut their door, went on with whatever. I went on down to my room, got a good night's sleep. Psalm 127, 2 says, God gives his beloved sleep. You know why I got a good night's rest? Because I did what the previous chapter, Psalm 126, 5 said, sow in tears and reap in joy. Listen, we have opportunities. Let's take advantage of those opportunities. Be a witness for Christ. Invite people to the house of God. Help them if they're going through difficulties. You know, Brother Arnold, but when I got saved, I had people that helped me and Kathy after we got saved. They'd make sure we're in church and, and check on us. Listen, that's what we need to do. I mean, if we all did that, if, if we would all purpose, we wouldn't limit you to one soul. We're almost into the month of June. If you purpose to try to win so, one soul yourself, and then you take it upon yourself, Disciple that person. Call him. Be there. Get him in the house of God. That's how the church in Seoul, South Korea grew the way it did. I was in Seoul, South Korea in October. And it's an amazing thing what God has done in that country. Um, it's, the crime rate is almost nil. You could drive two miles and not see any trash on the highway. And Seoul, South Korea, Seoul has 10 million people in it. There's about another 17 million people within about 75 miles. So 27 of the 51 million people who live in South Korea live really close to Seoul. I dare say in any major city in the United States of America, I doubt if you can drive 1,000 feet without seeing trash. Crime rate's almost nil. You know why? Because at one time, that country was... Like 95% Buddhist, and Dr. Cho got saved. Now, what does Dr. Cho? He inspired a lot of people. Now that country's 47% Christian. And not just a name only. They take polls and say, well, 70% of Americans are Christian. A lot of people, you ask them if they're Christian, they say, well, I'm born in America, I'm a Christian. No. I mean, I can go to a garage, hang around a garage all day long, that doesn't make me a mechanic. You can go to church all your life, that doesn't make you a Christian. Jesus said in John 3 3, you must be born again. If I'm going to be a mechanic, I've got to get involved. I've got to get involved with the tools and everything. But if you're born again, you're a child of God, and Jesus is coming back for you and me. He's coming back soon, too. Whatever time I've got left, I want to make the most of it. I want to go out in a blaze of glory. I want to sow seed. I want to share the gospel. I want to help people and go wherever. 
And God's opened the doors in the last few years to, to go to other countries. I'm looking forward to doing that, and I do cover your prayers. They're trying to get a professor to debate me in Bogota, Columbia, South America, uh, at the main university there on creation evolution. And I'm, I pray that that does come about. Looking forward to that. God is coming back. You and I are the people of God in our generation. We'll touch on a few more things then about Bible prophecy and, and being involved. See, if we only talk about Bible prophecy, the Lord's coming, we need to also know how to react to that. If the Lord's coming back, we need to tell others. If you really believe in Jesus, that heaven, listen, there's, eternity's too long to be wrong. There's nothing worth going to hell for and nothing worth missing heaven over. I don't want anybody to miss heaven. I want everybody to be saved. Now, if they don't want to hear, I'm not going to try to force it. I'll go to somebody else. I'll pray for that. Well, if they cuss you out, I'll still pray for them. Well, preacher, it's hard to do that when they cuss you out. Look at what it says about Jesus. Hebrews 12, 3, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you faint in your own mind. On the cross, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's love we can't hardly fathom. A sinless, holy God became a man, died on a cross, asked his Father in heaven in Matthew 27, 46, Eli, Eli, my God, my God, quotation Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment of time, all of our sin was placed upon Jesus. Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. 1 Peter 2, 24, who bear... Our sins in his own body on the tree. He knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 1 Peter 2, 22, he did no sin. And 1 John 3, 5 said, in him is no sin. He was a perfect sacrifice. He saved you and I. You know what he commissioned us to do? Go, go into all the world, preach the gospel, Mark 16, 15. Pastor, I believe great things are in store for this church right here. There's excitement in the house of God. There's a shout in the camp. You know, but when you go to church and you mean to real, be real dignified. Well, you go watch Kansas City Chiefs play, and if you're a Chiefs fan, try to be dignified. And that's about a ball, and that's a ball game. And, I, and look, I'm vociferous in, in, in my Cowboys, and I like the Raiders too. I'm vociferous in supporting those teams. But I'd be ashamed to stand before you here today if I was more excited about my favorite football teams. Based, I'm a Cincinnati Reds, Detroit Tigers fan in baseball. I, I'd be ashamed. If I was more excited about sports than I was Jesus. And thank God, I'm praying for this young man. I'm praying for this man to have a successful pro career. God will bless him. He's going to find Christians he can fellowship with. Look, Christians are under attack in every realm of life now. But all that's going to do is strengthen our resolve to be a witness for Jesus. We're not going to weaken in our faith. We're going to be stronger in our faith. Amen. And we're going to have to realize why do we believe what we believe. And I would, I would really urge... If you've got children in grade school, middle school, going into high school, get creation science into their heart and mind. Now, when they go to college, not only will they not be swayed away from what they know to be true, they'll become evangelists and win classmates and maybe even professors to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, God, God's going to demonstrate himself in the mind and in the body. Some as well. Jesus need to signs, wonders, and miracles. Others say, well, no, you just need to be able to talk people into it. 1 Peter 3, 15. I'll close on this. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. 
And Paul even addressed that situation, 1 Corinthians one twenty-two. The Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. We preach Christ crucified to the Jews' assembly block, to the Greeks' foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. Let's magnify the Lord. Lift your hand up. Give the Lord a big old wave offering. You know, when you lift your hand, what you're saying, God, I'm here and I'm yours. I'm here and I'm yours. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. Glory to God. There might be somebody here this morning, Pastor Dameron, Brother Manuel. I'm not sure I know Jesus. I'm not sure if the Lord would come back or I would die, I'd be ready to meet him. You could know that you're saved. It's not a hope-so salvation. It's a no-so salvation. First John three fourteen. we know we have passed from death and life because we love the brethren. First John five ten. he that believes on the Son of God has a witness in himself. First John five thirteen. these things. Have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life? Romans eight sixteen, the Spirit itself bareth witness our spirit that we are not going to be someday children of God. Paul said sixteen one twelve. I know in whom I have believed. Yes. You can know you're right with God. Yes. So I want to ask why the church is in attitude of prayer, looking over the congregation. Anybody here this morning, Brother Manuel, Pastor Dameron? I'm not sure I'm. Ready for the Lord's return. I'll tell you what I won't do. I won't come back and try to get you by the hand. That's work of the Holy Spirit. But if you're here and you're not sure you're saved, lift your hand up. Anybody here today? Anyone here today? Probably here, everybody here on Sunday morning say, but anybody here, you're not sure that you're right with God? Not sure you're right with God? Okay, you can look up. In Matthew four nineteen, Christ said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And verse 19 says, straightway they left their nets and they followed him. They followed him. Now, I know this church believes in the power of God, the gifts of the Spirit, operation of the gifts of the Spirit. I'm just going to obey the Lord and magnify God. Sister Barbara, would you come back and lay hands on this precious lady right here? Ma'am, right here. Uh, is there a way you could come around here and I want you to pray for this lady too? You, yeah. Yes. What's her name? Jean. Yeah, yes. Because what I'm going to pray for her, I'm going to pray for you too. And Matthew 10, 8 says, freely ever receive, freely give. James 5, 16, pray one for another that you may be healed. Okay. I'm speaking to your bloodstream in Jesus' name. I'm speaking to a sugar level in Jesus' name. I speak healing into your body in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord's the best hematologist, blood specialist around. I speak healing into your body. It's coming to you and it's going to her and coming back to you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. This lady was shouting back here, and I love a shout in the church. You know what shouting does? To, shouting for a preacher when he's preaching is like saying, sick him to a dog. Come on. Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Just magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. There's a previous. This man started this church. Talked to him. Now, I, the, the place where that church is at, West Bridgewater, Pennsylvania. Do you remember the place, West Bridgewater? Bridgewater, PA, that's right north of Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah, I preached that. Because they used to, one time they pastored in Pittsburgh. And uh, would you just stand up there? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And it's a knee there I need to pray for. I'm speaking healing to your knee. I speak healing to your knee in the name of Jesus. The Lord's the best osteopath around. Proverbs seventeen twenty two: A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. Do you know that laughter and joy is therapeutic and the American Medical Association has documented that? In fact, let me tell you something else. There's a book called None of These Diseases. 
And from what I have read, there are 39 major strains of disease from whence every other disease emanates from. There were 39 lashes placed upon the back of Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter 2.24 says, by his stripes, we were healed. Bless you, George. Wait wait here on the Lord. Wait here on the Lord. What a mighty God we serve you. I want to pray for you right here. I put my hand right here. I speak healing in your upper gastrointestinal tract. In Jesus' name. The Lord is the best gastroenterologist around. And sometimes you have a burning sensation in this upper part. And sometimes it's like a ball that knots up. Feels like acid reflux. I'm speaking healing to your body in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. I'll receive that for my son because he's got that. Okay, then you and him both can be healed. Hallelujah. Well, but, but your son does have it. Well, how old is he? Praise God. Then you go lay hands on him. You know that? He can go lay hands on that son. Amen. Well, you need to get the preacher. Mark 16, 18. They believers shall lay hands on the sick, and they, the sick, shall recover. Just worship the Lord. Magnify God. You know why we love Jesus, First John 4, 19? Because he first loved us. Because he first loved us. That's why we love him. This lady right here. I just, Bart, would you come over? This lady right here. Just lay hands on her. And uh, right over here. And the, the lady here, she's a member of the church too, right? Yes, would you just lay hands? See, I like to get the church laying hands on people, not just to preach. Well, I do that. I do that. But I, I always want people to know you can lay hands on the sick. Doesn't have to. It's got to be the preacher that preached. No. Believers lay hands on. I'm speaking two things, ma'am. I'm speaking to your joints in the name of Jesus. I'm speaking to your calcium level. I come against osteoporosis, which can cause weak bones and rickets. I come against that in the name of Jesus. You're going to be able to retain calcium. You're going to be able to retain calcium in the name of Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And then I pray for you're going to have power, love, and a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1.7. You have cherished memories that mean so much to you. Sometimes you feel like you're, it's slipping away. Well, it's not. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Philippians 2, 5. Let this mind be in you which is in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16 says, But we have the mind of Christ. And I, I speak that to you now. In Jesus, Yes, in Jesus' name. You're going to have vast improvement in retention of your memories. And if anybody, if you're having, if you have joint problems... There's, you know, the Bible says, Genesis 1, 29, God gave every green herb for meat. He repeated that in verse 30. If you'll take celery and juice celery, there are 24 anti-inflammatories in it, and it will vastly help you with any kind of joint, stiffness, pain, or anything like that. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible talks about what we eat. Proverbs 23, 2 says, Put a knife to thy throat, thou be a man given to appetite. That's not a shouting scripture, but it's still in the Bible. Yes, you certainly can. Pastor. Well, I want you to pray for me because um, I, used to, I used to be a drug user. The doctor told me that I had to quit drinking because if I kept drinking, I'd have to have my knee replaced. And he said some of the, uh, the, the bone structure that, that separates and keeps the bone from rubbing bone on bone. But you know what? If I can believe the gospel, 
I can also believe that God can put some more padding in here so I can yes. So I can run again, and I, I, I'm not going to have a knee replacement, but I want a new knee so I can run. Yeah. And I believe he Brother can Nixon, do lay hands on him. Yeah. Lay hands on your brother. Father, I lay hands on Pastor Davin right now. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. First Corinthians 6, 20 says, glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. I'm laying hands, Lord, on this knee. And Pastor Dammer just said he was told not to run anymore. He'd have to have knee replacement surgery. David said, by my God, if I ran through a troop, by him I've leaped over a wall. I lay hands on Pastor Dammer now in Jesus' name for that padding to be recreated, for a recreative miracle. And, Lord, in anybody in this congregation that has a seepage of synovial fluid. Synovial fluid is like oil in the engine of a car. It cuts down on metal rubbing against metal. Viscosity can destroy your engine. When we lose synovial fluid, then we have bone on bone. I pray also for restoration of synovial fluid and to anybody else in this congregation that may have that problem where the fluid is dissipating it through age. In Jesus' name. I'll tell you this. I was told in 1998. I'd have to take pain meds the rest of my life. My wife were down, and I were down in Florida preaching. had some layover days. She threw a frisbee. I reached out to catch. I had a pain in my neck. And I thought, well, that'll go away. And it didn't go away. It didn't go away. Three days later, it didn't go away. And driving to Springfield, Tennessee to preach. Well, I actually preached for Bill Cowan up, staying in Springfield, preached up in Adairville. Now five days went back. I drove all that time back home, went to a Christian chiropractor. He said, I can't do anything unless you'll get an x-rayed. Went to the hospital and the x-rayed. From my neck down all the way to the bottom of my spine. And the osteopath was called in. He came. He said, well, that C4 will clear up for a while. So if you got a much bigger problem. So what are you talking about? Now, I was 46 at that time. Been saved 23 years. I'm 70 now, and I've been saved 48 years. He told me, he said, you have significant subligation of your spine. You have the back of a 75-year-old man progressing rapidly. A, a bad back of a 75-year-old man. And then he was writing out pain medicine, and so I'm going to put you on the pain medicine. I said, for how long? He said, the duration. Well, how long? He said, the rest of your life. I said, there's nothing you can do. This is a degenerative disease. I didn't argue with him. I didn't. I said, I appreciate you diagnosing what the problem is. I'm not going to go with the pain medicine. He said, You'll, you won't have quality of life. You'll be back here. And I went through 17 months of pain. You probably heard me testify this. I was in Bastrop, Texas, preaching for Mike and Debbie Vagan. And I went to the... Um, Dolphus to get a paper. I'm walking across the parkland. I'm, I'm in pain. I was in pain driving out. My wife will tell you that she knows there's a God. Jesus saved her, but she watched me for 17 months at times not sleep for two or three days and driving and preaching. I put my faith in the Lord. And I kept speaking God's word. I'm walking across the parking lot, and then I thought something's eerie. I thought it was like twilight. So I'm looking around trying to figure. It took me about two minutes to realize I didn't have any pain in my back. I ran around the parking lot two times, came up the stairwell. Kathy opened the door. She said, what is it? I have no pain in my back. Now, this is 2023. 25 years ago. I wouldn't be able to travel. Evangelistic ministry would be shut down. You know, Jesus gets the praise. I saw that also path in the early 2000, 2003 or 2004. I went over to him and started talking to him. Oh, I remember. You said, well, you're looking at this. He said, you didn't come to me. He said, who are you getting your pain medicine from? I said, I'm not taking pain medicine. He said, you're what? I said, doctor, I told you my faith is in Jesus for my healing. But I told him I pray. I didn't, I didn't do one of these. Sometimes Christians would be obnoxious. That's a horrible witness to go try to. I told him, I appreciate you diagnosing what the problem was, but Jesus healed me. You know what? He looked, and he just looked, and there's nothing he could say. 
Jehovah Rapha, Exodus 15, 26, the God that heals us. Hallelujah. Let's magnify the Lord. Magnify. Now, if you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, we didn't get, we're going to touch on that tonight, Pentecost. Acts 2, 4 says they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Speaking with tongues, being baptized with the Holy Ghost doesn't make you any more of a Christian. It gives you the power to make life tough on the devil. The power to operate in the supernatural. Is there anybody here and you're not filled with the Holy Ghost and you want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Anybody? Anybody? Well, bless God. What are we going to do? Well, I don't know about you. We're going to shout and go out and eat with the dammers. We're going to go. Well, we're going to do a Psalm 8110. Open wide your mouth. God said he'd fill it. They took me to the Olive Garden last night. So I opened my mouth wide and through the Olive Garden, God filled it. Yeah. And they want to take me to a Greek restaurant, but we don't want to have to go right down into Kansas City to do that. My wife's Italian. I'm Greek. And I'll tell you another good thing. Eat garlic. I told my wife we got married. As long as you and I both continue to like garlic, we'll have a great marriage. And June the 19th, we'll celebrate 47 years of wedded bliss. Hey, but if you eat garlic, I've got to warn you about this. You're going to live a long life that may not have many friends. <laughs> what I, I didn't take that garlic. I took Oler's garlic this morning. But tonight, I'll double up on my garlic <laughs> at nighttime. Where are you laughing in church? Look, we ought to have a good time. Yeah. Psalm 126, 2, there was our mouth filled with laughter. Stand to your feet. Come on, Pastor Dameron. I appreciate this man. They're, they're dear friends. They're dear friends. They have blessed me and Kathy, and it's an honor to be with you all. Praise the Lord. Y'all enjoy that. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Well, I, you can say this for an assurity. You've heard the word today. You have absolutely heard the, de- with the word. I really encourage you to try to be back here tonight if at all possible. Mike has just really touched the service on some things that he wants to share. And uh, he'll be leaving after, after tonight's service. Tonight at 6 o'clock, bring a friend. Uh, go get somebody off the street. Drag him in, whatever you want to do. But we so encourage you to come back. Be around family. Let's enjoy this together. Hear the word together. Amen. This is how you're going to grow in God. And I'm so glad that Mike is with us. And let's pray for him today when you think of it. Come back tonight with a greater zeal than we had this morning. Amen. Father, we thank you for your covering. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your minister here ministering to us. I thank you for the entry of your word bringing light to us. Therefore, we walk in light and not in darkness. In Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, as we go forth to celebrate Memorial Day, we remember Jesus Christ and his resurrection for us. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, brother. Praise the Lord.